Hello and welcome. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to iBiology, uh, the DP revision podcast that should not be only resource. Please also go listen to Mr. Dunn. But if you would like to learn along with us, uh, we uh, are using the Oxford IB Diploma Program Biology Textbook and Study Guide. So uh, today we're going to be talking about Unit 4, Ecology. It's a relatively simple mm-hmm. unit. It's just a couple of things that you need to know. <laughs> So uh, first, let's get into some definitions. So um, species. A species is just uh, groups of organisms that can interbreed to produce fertile offspring. Okay, so two dog species. Yeah, for them, okay. it's some, it can be sometimes a bit difficult because they might, uh, because of like size differences, they might, uh, they okay, might be able yeah. to mate. But like for example, two humans, they can interbreed and they can produce fertile offspring. Ah, fertile offspring. So zebras and horses aren't exactly. Or for example, the the common example is donkeys and horses. They produce they can produce mules, but mules can't produce offspring. Ah, okay. Um. So the idea is that uh, obviously there's some small issues with this definition. Uh, for example, if you look at the exchange of genetic material, uh, plasmids in bacteria can be passed from one species of bacteria to another. So technically, they might actually they could be considered one species, mm. but yeah, um, but and, they aren't. But they aren't. Okay. Or for example, that infertile people don't have a species. Oh, people are just people. So again, we stand. <laughs> again, but obviously this is a pretty good definition for our purposes. Imagine having different human species. That actually was the case, right? Yeah, like it, it used to a be that case years ago. Sapiens, okay. it's a good book. Um, <laughs> uh, then populations, uh, it's just members of a species uh, that in a specific time, in a specific area. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So a population of a species, um, it's just ones that are also reproductively isolated, you might use mm. the term. Mm-hmm. So yeah, specific time, specific place, group of organisms of the same yeah. species. Um, then I, be- I believe then... There's a couple other ones. I don't know why they're not in the textbook right away, but I believe it's then also you've got com. I write communities are different, uh, different groups of uh, different populations interacting with one another, mm-hmm. and then an ecosystem is uh, all of the populations and the uh, abiotic environment. The what biotic environment? Abiotic environment. So. Uh, the environment that doesn't live. So, for example, the dirt or ah. the sun or the rain or the weather or mm-hmm. the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and the habitat is the abiotic environment in which a population inhabits. Ah, okay. Yeah, so um, uh, species, populations, habitats, communities, and an ecosystem. Then let's go a look at autotrophic and heterotrophic nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they're either autotrophs or heterotrophs. Autotrophs are able to produce um their uh, carbon compounds yeah are able to produce carbon compounds you know heterotrophic they have to consume the carbon compounds what is meant by carbon compounds like sugar and shit yeah basically so um, plants are autotrophs yeah and i believe specifically it's they could are able to make organic nutrients from inorganic ones uh, what are inorganic nutrients for example carbon dioxide ah, okay Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. they're able to make uh, glucose or, or glucose or sucrose or starch from inorganic nutrients. Meanwhile, we, we can't do that. We have mm-hmm. to consume organic nutrients. So we're 
heterotrophs. Yes, we're heter we're heterotrophs. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the stem, it makes sense because auto on one's own, like yeah. automatic, um, and hetero uh, other. You need something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the heterotrophs they can be divided up further into consumers, detritivores, and saprotrophs. Mm -hmm. So uh, consumers, it's very simple. Uh, they just feed. Uh, they feed on like live matter. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean that you necessarily eat it while living. Like for example, we're consumers, but we don't eat things that are already dead. True. So if we uh, so we'd kill the f uh, food and eat it rather than just ah, yeah. taking rotting Can leaves that are lying around and eating those. Okay. So the tritivores. Um, they uh, they get it from dead matter that they internally digest. So for uh, I believe um, b a bacteria mm -hmm. are uh, can be detritivores. Uh, they take in things like dead leaves, uh, uh, feathers, hair, and other dead parts of animal bodies or feces, mm. and bah. ingest those and digest them. <laughs> Meanwhile, saprotrophs. They also get uh, from dead organic matter, but by external digestion. So they first they secrete uh, enzymes onto it, and then they absorb the um, digested. Ah, thing. so like flies and shit, they do that. They spit on food and then ingest it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also um, fungi are a common example mm, of saprotrophs. Yeah, so when you see like food rotting, mm -hmm. that's because the fungi are excreting the enzymes onto it in order to absorb the nutrients. Nice. I mean. Smart. <laughs> a little bit disgusting. <laughs> so, um, then, yeah, communities, we just talked about, different populations living together and interacting with one another. Um, here, it's also another thing, again, with field work. Um, if, you're, if you took this course, you probably went outside and did some field work. Field work mm -hmm. Where you... <laughs> if you weren't stuck at home learning. Uh, and so you... Uh, basically, one one way to obtain fieldwork without having to worry about, oh no, like how do I count this? You don't just go out of the field and start counting things. Instead, you might take a quadrant, which is one meter by one meter square, mm -hmm. that's up subdivided into uh, a ten by ten grid. You just throw that onto the uh, uh, onto the ground somewhere mm -hmm. randomly, and then you can uh, uh, and then you can look at in how many of these squares is a uh, are is the particular organism present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because counting all of the spiders in a field takes a long time, but uh, finding that there's I don't know like fifteen spiders in a square meter, and then you can extrapolate that onto the field. Mm -hmm. um, and one way, uh, but now if you want to go, okay, I have data of spiders from this one forest and from this other forest. What do I do now? Um, you can use a chi-squared test. We're back at chi-squared tests uh, to figure out whether um, that is a statistical significance. Again, you don't really know, need to know how to conduct it, I believe. I never saw that being yeah. asked. But you uh, just need just to know, know that they're used. That, that they're used and that you can determine whether something is appearing more than it should or less than it should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so then... Um, Basically, we have to consider uh, nutrient cycles. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because there's only a limited amount of inorganic nutrients on this earth, mm -hmm. like there's, uh, we can get infinite amounts of energy from the sun, mm -hmm. which is what autotrophs use to make the organic 
uh, nutrients, but for inorganic nutrients, we need to cycle them. So you will look at the carbon cycle in a bit, but also other parts like um, nitrogen cycles, um, phosphate cycles, they're also all part of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically one thing that, uh, and that contributes to the sustainability of ecosystems. Basically. Those cycles, because, yeah. you know. Okay. And so and um, ecosystems should be able to be sustainable over long periods of time. Mm -hmm. um, and the, it depends on the nutrient availability, mm -hmm. uh, the detoxification of waste products and energy availability. What is meant by detoxification of what? Waste products. So that's, for example, um, taking, uh, taking out the toxic materials of the waste product. So um, we... Uh, Internally in our body, that would be um, us uh, creating urea mm -hmm. from a waste. But outside, that would be, for example, the detritivores. Um, you are uh, taking the toxic waste products and like decomposing them and making mm. them. Because and those th three things you just listed um, help to make this uh, uh, those cycles. No, but they are requirements for sustainable ecosystems. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that you also it can use to test the sustainability so if you're like wait how can i test whether this is sustainable is using a mesocosm mm -hmm. um again this might be something you actually did in biology class uh where you take uh, where you take some dirt or uh and where you basically take almost a small section of a forest and put it into a sealed container such as a jar mm -hmm. and uh see whether it's able to sustain itself yeah nice yeah so that was Unit 4.1. Again, this is just a lot of knowing your terms and like understanding that, yeah, okay, we, how does it go? So how, now how does energy flow through the ecosystem? So like I mentioned earlier, um, energy, it comes from the sun. Mm -hmm. We don't have to really worry about that. Is there a different energy source other than the sun? I mean... This the sun is where the energy then comes from that we then end up using. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's other energy sources, like for example, um, plants for us <laughs> are energy sources. But um, new energy coming into the Ultimately, system. Ultimately, they all need sunlight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like the the energy coming into the system is due to the sun. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so the energy. Uh, so because this, uh, we can't just use the light energy. It's converted into uh, carbon compounds by photosynthesis. So into, mm -hmm. so the light energy is converted into chemical energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, but this is, and this is then passed along through food chains, um, which are, yeah, they've, they flow through uh, food chains because they feed onto the, uh, because, so the primary consumer feeds on the producer, secondary on the primary, tertiary on the secondary. Mm -hmm. um, the thing though is that uh, through, uh, throughout this process, um, energy is lost exactly uh, this is mainly through cell respiration and heat loss those are mm -hmm. the two big ones um, that basically we we're it's not a hundred percent efficient system so we end up losing a lot uh, so the uh, so only about 10 percent of the energy is passed along through each level ah that sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> but basic uh, basic so here, let's cover more examples. Synthesizing large molecules like DNA, RNA, and proteins. Pumping molecules or ions across membranes by active transport. 
moving things around inside the cells, such as chromosomes or vesicles or muscle cells, the protein fibers that cause muscle contraction. And those things that you just listed are what? They, they are part of the reason why we lose energy. Ah, yeah. On page 215, if you just didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, this means that there will always be um, a restriction how long food chains can be. Mm-hmm. because after a while there's just so uh, so they're called trophic levels mm-hmm. so um that means that at a certain point there's just not enough energy on a trophic level so there's just not enough tertiary consumers for uh, for a quaternary consumer to be able to survive just yeah. feeding on them like it's usually a quaternary or quintenary consumer so fourth mm-hmm. or fifth mm-hmm. um so one thing that's connected to all of this is also um, the types of energy. So I just mentioned how light energy is converted to chemical energy. Mm-hmm. But and then this chemical energy uh, may be converted to kinetic energy, electrical energy or heat energy. But we can't turn any of those back into chemical energy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why it's lost. Because it's one-way streams in a way. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, so. One thing you might also need to know is how to draw uh, um, energy pyramids. Mm-hmm. They might they might ask you to do that. Basically, what you need to do is just the blocks of energy, um, which uh, where one is just significantly larger than the others, <laughs> and like on each level, remember it's only about like ten to maybe twenty five percent that is passed on. For reference, there's a good one fifty seven of the study guide. Or page 218 of the textbook. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and also, it's me- uh, also all of those things are measured in kilojoules uh, per meter squared per year, or okay. generally energy per uh, area per t- uh, time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carbon cycling. Yay. So unit 4.3 now. Um, basically, carbon cycling. It's how carbon uh, goes uh, through our ecosystem. The first thing that we might uh, need to know is things like carbon fixation. So because um, we t- uh, because autotrophs, they take carbon dioxide and they convert it into um, chemical compounds, mm-hmm. that means that the carbon is taken out of the o- uh, atmosphere, not given back, mm-hmm. at least not at first. Mm-hmm. Then um, another thing you need to know about is... Wait, car- is that carbon fixation? So just like... Keeping the carbon without giving it back. Yeah, that's why if you ever like, if when we look at climate change, which is what we'll look at later as well, when people talk about having to plant trees, so that way more carbon will be fixed out of the air into the. Ah, okay. And the enzyme is called rubisco or something. Yes. Um. Remember, if you, if you listen to our photosynthesis episode, uh, uh, the enzyme rubisco. Uh, carboxylizes the um, ribulose bisphosphate. Uh, carboxylizes? Splits carbon. No, puts the carbon on it. What? Nochmal bitte. Carboxylizing. Kannst du den Satz nochmal wiederholen? The rubisco carboxylizes, so adds the carbon onto the ribulose bisphosphate in the Calvin cycle. Mm, and the ribulose bis- bisphosphate did what again? It's a five carbon compound that when we add the um, carbon uh, carbon onto, mm-hmm. um, then splits into two. We reduce uh, we reduce it, 
um, we take a part or we take part of it, I believe for part of the triose phosphate or the G3P to make a glucose and the rest is recycled back into rubulosebus phosphate so that we can carboxylize it again. Lit okay, nice. <laughs> okay, so that's why um yeah. That's why also um during the uh summer there will be less CO two in the air than during the winter. Because there are more trees and stuff to fix the carbon. Not necessarily more trees, but more photosynthesis with those trees. Naya. More leaves to be able to do photosynthesis. Yeah. Um, okay, then also other sources where carbon dioxide might... So there's, uh, so there's pools and then there's fluxes. Mm -hmm. when, in what? What are we talking about? Uh, in the carbon. If you're looking specifically at the carbon cycle, mm -hmm. there's pools. which So for example, uh, the carbon dioxide stored in plants, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, carbon dioxide dissolved in the is water. Is the same as sinks? Uh, yeah. I mm -hmm. okay. And then sinks, pools, and then fluxes. It's the movement between those. Mm -hmm. But, uh, between those sinks or pools. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in case you're wondering, so photosynthesis is the biggest flux. That uh, that mm -hmm. might be something that might come up in a multiple choice question. Mm -hmm. um, so then, carbon dioxide in solution, basically, um, when it uh, when it dissolves in water, it becomes uh, hydrogen carbonate ions, um, and so it becomes carbonic acid, which dissolves into H plus and uh, carbon uh, hydrogen carbonate ions. Uh, that relates to what again? That makes uh, so that first of all, it's a place where the carbon dioxide might go, the water, yeah, mm -hmm. the ocean. Um, Why? But it, because it just dissolves, like it's just ah, okay. it's a chemical thing. Like if it might just dissolve, it might just dissolve. You know, okay. it, feel, it feels yeah. like it. Um, mm -hmm. And however, that also it makes it acidic. The ocean. It makes yeah. the ocean acidic. Yes. Ew. And then, like it, the the ocean, like naturally, rainwater and the ocean are a bit acidic. It's so just, you shouldn't drink rainwater. Yes, it doesn't. <laughs> you can drink. No, you can. It's like not significantly. It's like, like like soda is like hundreds times more acidic than rainwater. Oh, okay, never mind. Me. <laughs> like right. I think milk is also more acidic than rainwater. Okay. <laughs> um. It's uh, remember, like we when we think acidic, we think it's really bad, but it's a spectrum, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Acidity is on the spectrum. Um, so, uh, but that's something that we can then also look at when we look at climate change. It's the uh, acidification of oceans, the bleaching. Coral, mm. like that's why when you look at coral reefs, they become white because um, the uh, H plus ions and the hydrogen uh, and the hydrogen carbonate uh, they react with um, the calcium carbonate of uh, that corals use to build their shells. Uh, and is that a natural thing or is that happening through climate change and more it's, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? It's one of those things where it would be happening happen it would happen naturally but it happens a lot more due to climate change and like in an unnatural amount. It's the mm -hmm. same thing with the greenhouse effect. The greenhouse effect is great and good and we definitely needed to be able to survive but what we're currently experiencing the advanced greenhouse effect is definitely going is definitely bad and is going to kill us all. <laughs> Yay! Let's but, we're, go. but let's go. But we're go coming to that later. <laughs> um, so then, um, yeah, we talked about uh, we talked about the water. Uh, then carbon dioxide is also released by cellular respiration. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And living organisms. And living organisms. So that's uh, so that's saprotrophs, detritivores, animal uh, animal cells. But even producers, right? Yeah, exactly. And even producers, plants also respirate. Mm -hmm. So respire, respire, not respirate. <laughs> um, 
So uh, then also one thing we might need to know is methanogenesis. So that's uh, methanogenesis is the product uh, is the making the genesis of methane. So and that happens when in anaerobic conditions arca uh, uh, archaeans and bacteria. What are archaeans? Archaeans, they're um, a kingdom of organisms. Mm, okay. You know, we've got your bacteria, you've got your uh, animalia, your fungi, there's archaeans as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, and they're a prokaryote as well. So first you have bacteria that convert organic matter into a mixture of organic acids, alcohol, hydrogen, and carbon dioxide. Bacteria that use this to produce acetate, carbon dioxide, and hydrogen. And then the archaeans uh, produce methane from carbon dioxide, hydrogen, and acetate. And then uh, this is released into the atmosphere. Now methane, it's also a greenhouse gas, it, uh, and it's even a more potent one than carbon dioxide. And even afterwards, it uh, and over, I believe, 12 years, it still oxidizes into carbon dioxide eventually. So that's a bad thing. It's a bad thing if it happens too much. This is like <laughs> this is the entire thing with like climate change and ecosystem. It's just bad because it's like out of balance. Mm -hmm. Um, so it uh, so this might so this can happen in different places so for example in mud or in like swamps basically any place where it's anaerobic but there's still a lot that needs to decompose so for but it can also be the guts of ruminants ruminants so ruminants are uh, for example cows or sheep mm -hmm. that's why people always talk about the issue with keeping too many cows is that they end up burping up methane because uh, the uh, bacteria and arcades in their stomach Go, uh, go through methanogenesis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so they release methane into the air, yes. basically, through pooping and, yeah. Burping. <laughs> Burping. Um, and also landfill sites uh, where organic matter is buried, that there methanogenesis also occurs there because there's not enough oxygen to properly decompose it, causing methane to be produced. Mm, so don't bury your trash into the earth, please. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. So... Um, uh, okay, then uh, again, it oxidizes to carbon dioxide and water. Um, then another thing that might happen, specifically in, uh, in swamps or waterlogged soils, is peat formation. Mm -hmm. um, so this happens specifically in acidic anaerobic conditions. Mm -hmm. it, at that point, uh, at, at when dead plant matter mainly is highly compressed, mm -hmm. peat is formed. And why is that problematic? I don't actually know if it's pro I don't think it's ah. actually necessarily problematic it's just a, it's an acidic material and um base but it uh, and that may then um eventually convert if it's compressed uh, enough it may eventually uh, convert into coal but that's usually not something that you have to worry about it's mainly peat <laughs> okay but the peat formation has something to do with the carbon if we combust it that's the thing because um, it's uh, because that's what the next thing is coming to. Well, first of all, let's look at fossilized organic matter. So when peat is fossilized, actually specifically not necessarily combusted mm -hmm. and uh, not uh, compressed, uh, fossilized uh, fossilized organic matter, so such as peat or other uh, other compressed organic matter, mm -hmm. uh, it can ma it's made into uh, oil, ga uh, gas, into coal, mm -hmm. which is all something that you might recognize as things that we burn to create energy. Fossil fuels. Combustion. <laughs> um, so, yeah, by, uh, by combusting biomass, we get energy, but it also releases a bunch of carbon dioxide, which is the main reason uh, why the advanced greenhouse effect exists, because mm -hmm. we're like, 
releasing more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere by burning all of this organic matter. Mm. And that's where peat is released back into the atmosphere if we burn it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like we said earlier, limestones such reef building corals and mollusks have hard parts uh, out of calcium carbonate and which becomes fossilized in limestone. Mm-hmm. And limestone may then be broken down by acid rain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and or acidic oceans. So now you can put all of this together into a carbon cycle. Yay. Um, there's one on page 59 of the study guide or on page 226 of the um, textbook. And basically you just need to be able to see What's what the, the relations What's the difference between are. a carbon cycle and the bio biogeochemical carbon cycle? So, um, the, so if you're looking at the study guide, the one on page 58, it's a very... It's a very much simple one that only looks at um, the interactions between the organisms. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the uh, biogeochemical, it looks at all of the interactions. It looks at the abiotic environment, so dissolving in the oceans mm-hmm. or storing in um, limestone. Meanwhile, you think we, we are required to draw something like this? Because I don't think I would remember all of this. It probably is good to do so. It's... it. it it helps to uh, practice it a couple times, trying to um, draw it out, after, like like trying to draw your own, put some effort into it. Like that's personally what I did because I did a presentation on summarizing ecology. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I had to do that. And I think now I'm pretty comfortable with that. And your past paper thing is, did this question come up? Um, I believe it, I believe there have been questions on asking to draw the carbon cycle. Okay. Yay. Yay. <laughs> So, everyone's favorite topic, climate change. Yeah. So, let's start with greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, greenhouse gases absorb energy. Like, uh, but we're, we'll get more into it later, but essentially, carbon dioxide and water vapor are currently the most significant greenhouse gases. They're water not... wa- vapor? Yes. Excuse me, I thought that was clean. Like, okay, you have to, con- again... Just because something is a greenhouse gas doesn't mean we should outright ban it or anything. It's just that this will help contribute to the advanced greenhouse effect. Okay. And the thing is that, um, water, like, and the, the reason why carbon dioxide and water vapor are the main thing here isn't because they're the most potent. Mm-hmm. It's just that they are the most common. Mm-hmm. So, for example, methane or nitrous oxides, they're mm-hmm. also greenhouse gases and they're more powerful. Like, methane, like, I think is like 30 times more powerful than carbon dioxide but there's just so much more carbon dioxide that that's kind of one of the heavier focuses mm-hmm. um what is halo carbons halo carbons they're um carbons that uh carbons with halogens i don't know what halogens are halogens they're gr- uh, group 17 on the periodic table fluorine chlorine bromine uh, iodine okay. okay um so yeah uh, uh then the, so the the main imp- so the main impact of the greenhouse gas is how readily it absorbs long wave radiation and the concentration of the gas in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So now is the actual part about the advanced greenhouse effect. There's um, uh, so what happens is that when the sun shines onto us, it emits a short wave high energy UV rays, which mm-hmm. go, which is which pass through the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. These are then absorbed by the earth. Earth. Mm-hmm and re-emitted um, as infrared um, long ra- mm. wave radiation. Mm-hmm. However, it has less energy, 
and is and then it is absorbed by these greenhouse gases and just re-emitted like in both directions so even if the uh if the re-emission of the long wave radiation is directional Mm -hmm. it'll be eventually reflected or just dispersed again causing it uh, causing the heat to stay trapped in our atmosphere Uh and that is why the greenhouse effect is also important for us to survive because if there were no greenhouse gases all of it would just be re-emitted into the depths of space and the planet would be very cold and we would (laughs) not be able to survive but again uh, that's why it's important to say that it's a natural effect Mm -hmm. that is amplified by human causes Mm -hmm. and is um, and the advanced greenhouse effect cause uh, causes this uh, causes this to happen and climate change to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, global warming. Here, even on page two hundred thirty-one, it says that the effect of global warming. So without the mean temperature, uh, without it, the mean temperature at Earth's surface would be about negative eighteen degrees Celsius. Ouch. Not so nice. Um, there's also a bit more th- uh, on page 232 you can also see a graph that looks at uh, what wavelengths the different uh, gases absorb mm-hmm. so for example oxygen and ozone uh, absorb very high energy mm-hmm. um, uv light meanwhile um, water uh, water vapor absorbs more long energy mm-hmm. it's also important to note ozone is not actually I-, I believe ozone is not a greenhouse gas Okay. Because ozone absorbs the high energy light that's coming in from the sun, not the infrared uh, mm. radiation that comes from the earth that is reflected earth. from the earth. Ozone is still very important and um, <laughs> has been, uh, and that's why it, it, you'll learn more about this if you take higher level chemistry. But um, that's uh, ozone is still important because otherwise we're going to get cancer because the UV the UV light would be able to get uh, through more easily and. Yeah. So that's why um, holes in the ozone are so problematic. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and that's why fluoro- I be- yeah, fluorochlorocarbons have to be banned. Okay. Because they help with the decomposition of ozone. But you don't need to know about that. You're biology students. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so then the connection between um, carbon dioxide and global temperatures, it's not only like estimated, but it has also been shown to happen. Um, that if if you look at almost any graph, uh, so obviously we can't go back billions of years and find out when <laughs> find out how the concentrated carbon dioxide was back then. Damn it! Um, but instead, what we can do is we can take ice core measurements. Basically, mm-hmm. you go way down into the ice because you drill a hole. Yes, basically. and there's uh, because there's bubbles trapped, uh, bubbles of gas trapped inside the ice. Mm-hmm. And so when we take out the ice, then we can analyze those bubbles of air. From like a million years ago. Exactly. And then find out like what was the carbon dioxide concentration then. And from that, you, we were able to see that, um, this, uh, that the temperature and the c- carbon dioxide concentration have a very similar curve. So mm-hmm. you can see this on page 223 in the textbook or page 61 in the study guide. You can see that there is a very strong like correlation between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the last couple of years, you can uh, you can see that uh, temperatures have been rising, <laughs> not great. And <laughs> if you look at specifically data from uh, Mau- uh, Mauna Loa Observatory mm-hmm. uh, at the carbon dioxide, uh, you'll probably notice kind of an up and down uh, an up and down. Um, like curve but directed upwards again the up and down was because of summer versus winter when more uh, because 
um, more land less yeah. carbon. Uh, because in more land mass is in is on the northern hemisphere, mm. mm-hmm. so that when it's uh, summer in the northern hemisphere, it's more mm. uh, carbon is absorbed. So yeah, um, yeah, global temperatures and climate patterns are influenced by the concentration of greenhouse gases, specifically impacted by industrialization. Because when we started burning all of these fossil fuels, then was, that is when things kind of started to increase. Um, That's when shit went down. Yes. Um, yeah, there's um, also, uh, obviously, you can also assess claims and counterclaims. This is something that you might have to do in your, um, uh, in, a, uh, in a, a question you might ask you to discuss the advanced greenhouse effect. Um, one thing that you might say against it is, oh, well, it's only correlation, so it can't be 100% sure. It's like one of these things where sci- uh, it's like where scientists say, oh, yeah, no, it is definitely happening. But because of like the scientific method, we have to say that there's a possibility it's not. Mm. Like it's very likely that this is the way that this actually works. Okay. But um, here there's uh, questions that were discussed. Uh, so assessing claims and counterclaims on page 236 and 237 of the textbook. Uh, so there's opposition to climate change science. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, coral reefs and carbon dioxide, we already looked at that, talked about that, uh, found uh, and discussed that. Yeah, coral reefs also it. suffer. And yeah, that's ecology. It's, like I said, a relatively short unit. I believe only like 12 hours of teaching time are supposed to be devoted towards it. And we managed to finish it in half an hour. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Though probably a bit less informative than those twelve hours. I guess yeah. now go look at uh, go outside and count some spiders or whatever. Goodbye. 